ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I am Father Andrew Dickinson. And we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want to remind you that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode or, feed us. or ideas for future episodes, feed us. Feed us. How? Feed us via email. Feed us your thoughts. Feed us your questions. Uh... So the email address is ignition at sfcatholic.org. And you can also tweet at us with the Twitter handle sfdiocese using the hashtag ignition. And again, I'm Chris Bergwald. I am the for Sioux Falls, the Diocese of Sioux Falls, the Diocesan Director of Adult Faith for Adult Discipleship, old titles. Yes. You have, it's, it's me like, when I forget that title. You know what? It's um, it's sort of like every now and then, like in fact, uh, th- this last Sunday um, at Mass, I said, Instead of and holy church, I said and church. Uh, oh, for the creed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. No. The um, the at the the offertory prayer. Um, our response. Um, whatever I can't right now. Um, I'm at mass. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept sacrifice in your your name for for whatever His good and good of all His holy church. church. I forgot holy. Every now and then, the old translation makes its way through. Every now and then, old job titles sprout through like weeds in the concrete. <laughs> I am the director of adult discipleship and evangelization. Uh, more importantly, husband of 17 years, father for 12 years to five kids with my wife, Jermaine. You had septuplets? No, pentuplets? Did I? What did I say? Well, father for 12 years, five kids. I'm just curious. I, had, I thought you had them like... No? Okay. Sorry. Sorry. I'm Father Andrew Dickinson, and I take things too literally. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> and uh, uh, I'm the pastor of St. Paul's Parish in White, South Dakota, as well as the director of the Pius Twelfth Newman Center at SDSU, GBGBGJ. Oh, boy. Yep, I got it. Go big. Go blue. Go Jacks. Uh, we are an ecumenical show so if you happen to have attended the university of south dakota <laughs> i need to have father norfolk i should have both of you on here at the same time oh we get along famously well i love okay. father norfolk jesus uh, ate with sinners <laughs> then there's poor father tom anderson who's at northern state and they're like what about me i've at northern father you were in aberdeen father Dickinson. i did have a great love for northern it's always this SDS, and I'm speaking now as a non-South Dakota native. Right. So I'm just like the degree, and I imagine it's probably the same, like University of Michigan, Michigan State, State versus U. Yeah, I know it's, I, I know, but I'm uh, being from Minnesota. We don't have the 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 closest it comes. I think inter intrastate rivalry is hockey between the University of Minnesota, the Golden Gophers, and the Bulldogs of UMD. That's a pretty intense rivalry in hockey. Really? Not as much as St. Cloud State? Uh, Well, okay. For me, growing up in the 80s and 90s in Minnesota, it was UMD, UM more. Now, maybe it's changed since then. Okay. But in any case, yeah, so I'm a little fascinated by the the intensity of this. I kind of play along with it because I'm really, I'm not a native, like I'm a native South Dakota, but I didn't go to SDSU. Uh, I root for the Jackrabbits because all my children 
Go to SDSU. <laughs> you're, uh, you're spiritual children, I presume. Yes. Yes. I have no other children but spiritual yes. children. Yeah. So I, I am. Uh, there are people in this building in which we're recording this, the diocesan offices, who attended both institutions, and I am struck by the good-natured but nonetheless real rivalry between the two schools. I think it's. I think we have a pretty good-natured rivalry. Um, speaking of rivalries. Yes, St. Paul. Is that yeah. the right? Is that the right jump you wanted? Yeah, but but there's not a rivalry yeah. I have in mind. I just wanted to use a a, a segue that didn't go anywhere. Speaking of, <laughs> um, speaking of riot, no, no, no. Speaking of occasional series that we sometimes do, as we did in the last episode of Ignition. Well, this isn't sometimes. We've done this every time we've, we've been recorded. faithful for a yeah. while. Yeah. Uh, we, Father and I do, uh, every four weeks, we, we're offering an introduction into the texts. Uh, well, we're beginning, we're beginning with, we've begun with the New Testament. We started Matthew, and we've been making our way through the texts of the, of the New Testament. Once we get to Revelation, we'll probably jump all the way back to Genesis and continue on through the Old Testament as well. Uh, but we're approaching the end of, of the, the works of St. Paul, or the works that at least are attributed to St. Paul, um, and we're going to be looking today, excuse me, at his first letter to St. Timothy. So St. Paul's first letter to St. Timothy, um, and, and unpacking that a little bit. And Father, I think uh, just a reminder for our listeners, um, don't just take our word for it. Read the Bible. Yeah. So again, we, we hope to offer you some thoughts here by way of introduction, but with the fervent desire and intention that that will whet your appetite and lead you to crack open um, your Bible. And in this particular case, read uh, the first letter of St. Paul to Timothy. And it should be said, Father, we're, we're getting down there, if you will, with Paul's letters. They're getting shorter and shorter. They are. Well, that's if you don't consider Hebrews to be one of Paul's letters. Right. Correct. Um, but that's a topic for another episode a of Ignition. A few months down the road. Um, so, so, so this this particular text, this letter, this document would only take you a prayerful reading. Well, we'll we can be done easily within half an hour. Wouldn't you agree? Mm, that's what sort of prayerful reading. You that's mean. how prayerful. That's okay, fair yeah, enough. I mean, like, <laughs> okay. Just sitting down and reading it slowly. Uh, a careful reading. A careful reading. Thank you. Yeah. Careful reading. You could be done, certainly be done within half an hour. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So just to give you an idea of the, the scope. Um, this is the not war and peace. No, it's not. Thank you. Not war and peace. Not Brothers Dostoevsky. Finished? Brothers Karamazov? That one. By yes. Dostoevsky. Yes. Yeah, I finished that a couple summers ago. What was the one that you were stuck on? Uh, uh, Les Miserables. Oh, yeah, Les Which Miz. was living up to its name. <laughs> <laughs> Miserable. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 that is not the first letter of Timothy. Remember, Father, last, episode, last week we talked about the, the priestly offering yes, sacrifices. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I hear what you're saying, but it's just not making sense. It's not happening with uh, Les Mis. So... Um, the introduction that we're giving here, uh, a good chunk of it, um, is, it, as I've said of late um, repeatedly, uh, Father and I don't often have original thoughts. No. Um, so, so when it comes to... Or if, the, they, or if we do have them, they're not often worth uh, exactly. uh, broadcasting. Exactly. Good ones. Um, 
much of what we're discussing here in terms of introduction to this this letter comes from the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible New Testament, uh, which is written by Dr. Scott Hahn and Curtis Mitch. That's so a great resource. One of uh, it's it's probably my top recommendation, Father, for uh, mm-hmm. New Testament commentary for the lay, lay Catholic. Um, if you're looking for a single volume that gives you um, an explanation of of the New Testament, this is my favorite recommendation. It's your go-to. Yep. So uh, look there for more detail about some of the things that we'll be covering today. Uh, so as, as we typically do, we begin with the question, Father, of authorship. Who wrote uh, the letter of St. Paul to Timothy? Why, St. Paul, of course. Really? <laughs> uh, we, we talk a lot. We'll touch on this a bit, Father. You know, um, a lot of uh, incredible blessings have come with modern methods of scholarship for understanding um, ancient texts, scriptural and otherwise. But there also have been some uh, frustrations, I guess, that we might have. Yarp. So in, in, in um, specifically what I'm talking about here is historically, so, so this letter claims to be, if you read it, it says, I, Paul. Right. Um, and, and the early church fathers, the early church tradition accepted that Paul actually wrote it. Uh, and yet around the 19th century, um, and into the 20th century, modern scholarship arrived at a different conclusion and said that, no, St. Paul did not write this document. Uh, it's different from all the other Pauline texts, different vocabulary, different style, different emphases. He, he, he ta- he's talking about different things. So, it was therefore the the hypothesis it goes and and today there's still a consensus around this saint paul must not have written it must have written by been written by somebody else a disciple of his or a group of his disciples writing in his name uh maybe decades after the fact i don't know it feels like there has to be like a whole lot of psychoanalyzing that goes on in that theory that these people wanted to have some claim to Paul's authority and wanted their own thoughts to appear better or more important. So therefore they claimed uh, to be writing in Paul's name and not only to be writing in Paul's name, but to be writing to not just anyone, but Timothy, right. one of Paul's almost beloved disciples. Right. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll sum up uh, in a minute with this question of authorship, but but it just, <laughs> much to do about nothing in a lot of ways. Well, I feel like sometimes it's like a justification of a PhD. <laughs> that does happen, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, there, we're not going to the nitty gritty, the nuts and bolts of. I'm not saying we don't like historical Christ, uh, scriptural scholarship. There's some great right. historical Christian scholarship, right? Uh, and so there are all sorts of responses we can make to those arguments against uh, Saint Paul's authorship of the first letter to Timothy. Um, he's writing for different reasons. Um, he has a different subject matter in mind, et cetera, that, that, that explain the differences in style and so on. But in the end, again, to me, a little bit much ado about nothing. If, our faith does not hinge on whether or not St. Paul wrote the letter. I, I believe he did, but if it were somehow definitively proven, I don't know how that would be the case, but some, if it were somehow proven that he didn't, my faith would not be shaken because it's in the text as it is. Right. Correct. Yeah, so so don't let. I think it's important, but not your your salvation does not hinge on the question of Pauline authorship. And my faith depends on the church's testimony to it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so so I, we do think, I think there's good reason to say it was written by St. Paul, but in the end, we accept the text as written regardless of who wrote it. We believe it's been inspired by God regardless of whose hand put quill to parchment. Do you think they use quills? No, but okay. I don't know what they... they what would they use? Maybe Sticks? they use quills. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. Um, when did uh, St. Paul... Or whoever write it. So if it was St. Paul, which is the belief that I hold to, um, and other, many other scholars do as well, it was probably written in the mid-60s. St. Paul was writ, uh, imprisoned in Rome around from 60 to 62 AD. He would be re-arrested and ultimately martyred around 67 AD. So generally it's thought those who hold to his authorship of this letter um, put the dating in between those two, two, those two periods. So it's a time when he was um, uh, had resumed his missionary work in the eastern parts of the Roman Empire, with an intention ultimately to turning to go much further to the west. Father, go west, old Paul, all the way to Spain. Yeah. Yep. Yep. His intention was ultimately to get to Spain, but Spanda. the Lord had different ideas. So he wrote to who? Timothy. Who wrote to who? Paul wrote to Timothy. Tell us a little bit about um, Saint Timothy, so Father. Saint Timothy. Uh, we first. Uh, hear about him as part of Paul's missionary team in the Acts of the Apostles. Do we know where in the Acts of the Apostles? Not off the top of my head. Okay. But we know about him from, we'll let you find where that is, dear listeners. That, uh, Bang uh, it. <laughs> why don't you go and use Ask Jeeves. Yeah. We're making sarcastic comments about uh, using uh, uh, search engines that aren't Google. Yes. <laughs> and no one ever, people says Google it, but you might use any anyway. That's tangent. So St. Timothy uh, was uh, a native of Asia Minor. Asia Minor is what we might call Turkey today. Right. Uh, or, uh, yeah, we'll call it Turkey. And uh, <laughs> I was going to go really old <laughs> school and call it like Ottoman or Ottawa. I think it was Ottawa. That was. Ottawa. <laughs> I don't think it was Ottawa. That's I, a, thought you, I thought that's what you are about to say. Or Ottawa. No, not Ottawa. I was going to say Ottoman of some sort. But, uh, but anyways, so. Before that was uh, ruled by Islam, it was a Christian territory. Before that was a pagan territory in which Timothy uh, lived there, and that's where Paul met him on his missionary journeys, because a lot of Paul's missionary journeys were in Asia Minor. Asia Minor. And so he, uh, Paul uh, converts him, uh, preaches the gospel to him, and Paul converts, I should say, or Timothy converts, and then uh, begins to travel with him and join Paul in his missionary journeys. And Paul is quite fond of Timothy. Yeah. Yeah. Very close. Like, uh, definitely. A, a, we talked about uh, bishops and priests and the relationships that they have a couple episodes ago. Uh, definitely a, f- a father-son relationship. And here. even more recently, his father-son relationship with Timothy, akin to my father-son daughter relationship with my students at SDSU yes, when I said that my children go to SDSU, yes, which yes. is why I root for SDSU. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, just to tie that back in and not scandalize. Correct. Anyone. As you listen to Ignition, which is a broadcast for the new evangelization to equip your own efforts to launch the new evangelization. I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. I'm Chris Bergwald. And we're talking to you today in our series uh, monthly. Is it a monthly? Would you call it a monthly series? Uh, yeah, I'd call it a, a four-weekly series. Which is kind of monthly. But close, but not always, because sometimes there are four, five, five count them, five Thursdays, which is when um, this regularly airs on the Lamb Catholic Radio, five Thursdays in a month, okay. Father. Okay. Well, 
Does that mean we've ever had two in a month? Yes. Oh, okay. We have. Okay. All right. So we're talking about the first letter of St. Paul to Timothy, though, and this I was wondering four if gonna, weekly series. I was, I was waiting for the train to come back to the station. It took me a while to get back there because, yeah, I mean, I was, it's so much easier to just say monthly. I know. But even if there's two in a month, well, it's still monthly because then the next month still has one. If, right? What, what if they have questions about uh, the, yes. <laughs> if they have questions, don't ask them because we're confused enough. No. <laughs> Do ask them. Uh, if you have questions about today's episode or other just questions, we always want listener feedback. Yep. Uh, lessons in professionalism, free tutorials on how to do uh, broadcasts. We would take those. Uh, you can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org. You can also tweet at us using the Twitter handle sfdiocese, S-F-D-I-O-C-E-S-E, with the hashtag ignition. Right. So we're talking today about St. Paul's first letter to Timothy, as we were just saying before the train made a major detour. Yeah, that was a, that was a long promo. So, that was a long promo. So we're talking specifically, Father, about uh, who Timothy was. Right. Anything else to say about him? Well, just like that promo, he was uh, unstable. <laughs> <laughs> Not mentally, though, like us. Uh, unstable in health. And so we hear St. Paul giving him some health tips. Also somewhat timid, uh, Maybe maybe aware of his youthfulness. Right. Maybe with an overly sensitive conscience, like we talked about in our episode of Scrupulosity just recently. Right. Uh, and his disposition, which we did talk about dispositions in our uh, episode on Scrupulosity, that he was maybe unassertive. Right. So, I'll go ahead. So, St. Paul, you see this in this letter, and the second letter to Timothy is is encouraging and exhorting him. Right, so, so you've been given this ability to, and this mission, this obligation to preach the gospel, go and do it. So to that point, I don't know if, uh, I may have missed it, but to be explicit, uh, tradition has it that, well, he was ordained by St. Paul. Correct, and St. Paul talks about the laying on of his hands right. Right. in ordination, and that he was the bishop of Ephesus. And First Timothy will talk about him, uh, St. Paul wanting Timothy to remain in Ephesus. Right. Right, and so the tradition, uh, according to I should say, not the like, like just pious tradition, but the, the 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 tradition, the indication historically is that he was ultimately martyred um, in old age, not as a young man, in old age in Ephesus. So the first and and for quite some time, um, bishop of Ephesus. Yeah, because it was a young man when he was ordained. Right, right, right. So um, just a little bit on on some of the themes that we see um, in in this first letter to to um, of Saint Paul to Timothy. Again, we're just discussing how uh, he was uh, he Timothy was the the bishop of Ephesus, um, and and so Paul uh, is encouraging him because there's there's crises going on um, in Ephesus, uh, different leaders within the church in Ephesus, teachers and others leading the flock away from some of the things that Saint Paul and Timothy had taught them, um, and and so Timothy is being. Um, given the difficult responsibility of trying to undo the damage that others had done. Right. Um, not that that ever has happened since the first century. No, never. Right. So so um, Paul can't get to, again, um, he's busy, uh, what, do, already doing his missionary work. He can't get to Ephesus, so he's writing to Timothy to admonish him and to to encourage him to do the difficult work that has to be done. 
Trail need that encouragement. Right, right. So it's a very personal letter, uh, very informal in, in, in the way that, that Paul arranges it, um, and it addresses all sorts of different responsibilities um, that Timothy has. Um, Paul's counting on him to bring some stability to the church, reminding him to the importance of teaching authentic teaching, teaching sound doctrine, um, authorizing him to, to appoint pastors to, to shepherd the flock. Um, and to, to, it gets into all sorts of things that we'll discuss. Father, we've got about seven minutes left, so we yeah. should actually discuss the text itself. Again, read it ultimately yourself. So, Father, as always, read it. What, what are some of your favorite um, uh, passages from the first letter of St. Paul to well, Timothy? F- my absolute favorite one was something that was big for me uh, in my conversion, which is this idea of First um, Timothy 3.16. Okay, which reads? Do you remember? Oh, maybe it's not First Timothy three sixteen. Maybe it's Second Timothy three sixteen. Oh well, okay, that's how strongly I remember it. Oh, and so, although First Timothy three sixteen is pretty cool because it's a testimony to Jesus, and I always like testimony. I'm kind of scrambling here because uh, I really thought it was First Timothy, but apparently it's Second Timothy. I thought I looked. That which up. one are you thinking of? The church one? Uh, yeah. Uh, no, that's First Timothy three fifteen. Yep. yep, yep, yep. So just one verse yep. before. All right. So oh, it is in this letter. First Timothy three fifteen. Oh, there we go. Good. Second Timothy. I don't. Second Timothy three sixteen is it's about another the inspiration one. of Scripture. Yes. So well, some people misuse relevant. that. Verse. We'll talk about that next week. So here the First uh, Timothy three fifteen, which you didn't read when you found it. Thank you. Uh, so talking about. What Timothy, who Timothy should look to if Paul is delayed, right? About how to behave uh, himself in the household of God. Um, you know, and he talks about the church as the pillar and foundation of the truth. Okay. I love it. Why? Well, because, you know, when I was kind of discovering my faith in college, there's a lot of people that want to live a Bible only faith. Why do I need a church? Who speaks about the church? Why does Jesus ever tell does Jesus ever tell us that we need a church? And St. Paul tells me I just need Jesus. Uh, except for in 1 Timothy 3.15. Right. The church and so elsewhere. My, my translation, the pillar and bulwark foundation is yours of the church. So the church is the foundation, the pillar, the bulwark of truth. Right. That deposit of faith, that living deposit. Um, and so uh because the church is the body of Christ, and he goes on in three sixteen to talk about Christ manifest in the flesh, vindicating the spirit seen by the angels, proclaimed to the Gentiles, believed in throughout the world, taken up in glory. Right, right. And so the church really has that embodiment of Jesus, which is again is so Pauline because of uh, Saint Paul's conversion uh, on the Damascus Road. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Right. Yeah. And so, what else? What other uh, passages are favorites of yours in First Timothy? Oh, you know, I, I do like um, something we've talked about before about like false asceticism versus true asceticism. Okay. False asceticism, which is kind of uh, a prideful action of making uh, denials and deprivations that God doesn't forbid. So uh, in verse three of chapter four, he talks about those who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Now, some people will use that, try to use that verse against Christians and against Catholics, against Catholics, especially why? Well, so it says, uh, forbid marriage. Well, you, you're a priest. The church forbids you to marry. Right. That's oh my wrong. goodness. And it says, 
um, uh, those who forbid or enjoin abstinence from foods. Well, the church says that we, you, both you and I, can't eat meat on Fridays. Oh my goodness. So this verse clearly teaches that those, at least those two practices of the Catholic Church are contrary to Scripture. Not so much. Clearly, it's right there. You just read it. Not so much. So why not? Well, I freely chose to not get married. Oh. And Jesus himself in Matthew 19 says that there are those who forsake marriage for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Right. And that was me. Uh, and then as far as abstaining from foods, uh, Jesus does talk about fasting. Right. 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 And so this isn't a perpetual abstinence. It's an elective abstinence, but one that the church asks all of us to make. So and the, 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 what Paul is really speaking against was uh, a common viewpoint, which t- keeps cropping out throughout human history, mm-hmm. um, an error which is generally put under the category, it's called Gnosticism, so, which comes from the word knowledge, their secret knowledge. And what the Gnostics believed basically is the material world was evil. So, so to marry is evil because you're perpetuating more human beings. You're being, so marriage is evil. Food uh, is evil because it enables you to. So really, Gnosticism really, I mean, it should die out pretty quickly because you, people should die of starvation and lack of procreation. But it's not a physical reality. It's a spiritual reality. Right. And so it lives on even when individuals of it pass away. Right. Yep. So a recurrent, a recurrent heresy, re- recurrent um, erroneous philosophy that the church has been countering for thousands of years. That's what Paul's writing against. Not, as you said, not the practice of... of, of Voluntary celibacy for the sake of the kingdom. Or, or fasting. Yep. Yep. And so uh, one of the things just of note is uh, actually the uh, rules for widows. Okay. Because, uh, you know, you think about our own society, uh, about how often we leave the elderly behind. But here he gives these really beautiful and clear encouragements for widows of how to live in their widowhood. So where are you in the letter? That's chapter five. Okay. Chapter five, verses three till 16. Okay. And so... Um, this is this mission, and it's kind of dear to me because my mom's a widow, right? And you know, she's trying to live her widowhood in a Christian way, in a in a way of service to others, to her neighbor, to her family. Uh, and it's really just beautiful to see that. But it's also something to encourage any widow or widower uh, that their Christian mission is not over, right? Right. Because oftentimes, I mean, it's typically the case that this happens later in life, not always, but later. And so there can be the sense of a loss of purpose, loss of identity. Mm-hmm. Right. And so Paul is exhorting um, widows in exactly that way. That You had to find that identity in Christ. You know, you think about how a widower, widower is probably imagining growing old and retiring and things like that with their spouse. And all of a sudden their spouse is gone. Well, what am I to do? Right. And here's this beautiful little plan and mission. So if that's you or, or somebody near and dear to you, uh, maybe this could be a text to recommend. Right. Although there are some practical things in here about the care of widows and a role of widows, R-O-L-L, uh, an enrollment of, of widows in order to take care of them, which is just part of that ancient world in which uh, a woman without a husband or a man was in a very difficult situation. Right, right. Um, again, uh, our recommendation is to actually read the text. As we mentioned er, much earlier, this is a, a short letter. Won't take you much time at all. Read, read it carefully and prayerfully. And with that, we will wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, you can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org, or tweet at us. SFDiocese use the hashtag Ignition with any questions about today's episode or ideas for future episodes. And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. 
Thanks for listening. You can find archives of this and past episodes online at sfcatholic.org. Click on Media and then Audio Files. You can also subscribe to the Ignition Podcast in the iTunes Store. Remember to tune in every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. on Lamb Catholic Radio at 91.3 FM in Hartford and 104.3 LPFM Juan Diego Catholic Radio in Sioux Falls and on 88.9 FM in Ipswich and Aberdeen or online at lambradio.com.